Lindsay here, and welcome back to another episode of Foster Career Chats. This is the last of three episodes that have been dedicated to sharing soul-filled content, where we explore careers through storytelling, mindfulness, and connection. Today's episode will be focused on how to make intentional connections and even friendships at work and beyond. Building relationships is an important lifelong skill that threads through both our professional and personal lives. Thankfully, we have a great guest to speak on this topic, and I'm excited to introduce Alex Alexander, who I met many years ago as an undergraduate at Gonzaga University. Since our time on campus, Alex has pivoted careers from being a very successful wedding planner to creating exciting content about how to build intentional friendships and community. Her insight is extremely enlightening and applicable to everyone from experienced professionals to students who will be starting their first jobs following graduation. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Alex, thanks so much for joining Foster Career Chats today. It's great to have you. Thanks so much for having me, Lindsay. Great. Well, today I'd love to start off you to tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you do to help people find community. Uh, my name is Alex Alexander. Yes, that is my real name. And I kind of fell into this work. This was not something I intentionally sought out. I was a wedding planner for many, many years. So I was really focused on how people gather and spend time together and interact. And over time, I just slowly shifted into really looking at like, how are people filling the room? Like, who are all these people? when you stand in a, at a wedding? How are all these people connected to the couple? And friendship and community have always been very important to me. Um, so at a certain point, I pivoted away from wedding planning and I actually started a food blog, funny enough. I was gonna talk about how to host last minute get togethers, kind of combine my event planning experience with my love of hosting at home. And the funniest thing was the more I talked about how to cook dinner last minute for 10 people, the more I got messages asking, that's great, but how do you have 10 friends? And really, if I go back and look at my first business plan for that blog, that's what I wanted to talk about anyways, was the importance of making time for the people you care about and fostering those relationships in your life. And it's just organically grown from there. That's awesome, Alex. And really as a career podcast, love to hear that you were really honing in on your strengths. That's what we encourage students to do all of the time and careers are no longer so linear. So it's great to hear that you've expanded and you're taking this new path. So for our students, I'm curious if you could share why relationships or friendships are so important to our quality of life? Wow. That's a big question. Well, we don't, we don't live on an Island by ourselves. Everything we do is touched by other people, whether that is the food we bring into our house, the furniture we buy, the jobs we have, or the people we celebrate our greatest joys with, you know, everything we do is touched by someone else. And I think it's easy to get caught up in the other like markers of success, you know, getting that one job, making that much money, having a certain investment portfolio, but 
at the end of the day, aren't we doing all of that so that we have the freedom to spend time with the people we love? And instead of waiting until some unknown marker is hit to do that, I really want to talk with people about how to appreciate those smaller moments now so that you have this lifelong pattern of focusing on the people in your life and the relationships you have holistically, like your entire life versus just waiting till some certain markers hit later down the road. So true. And you, as you mentioned, kind of celebrating those accomplishments, um, the students we work with are in the midst of job searching. And once you get a job offer, um, oftentimes my colleagues and I really encourage students to go celebrate that with their community and even lean on their community during a job search, which by nature can be kind of stressful and not treating it like you're on an island by yourself really helps lighten that burden of feeling so overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, I mean, that's the first thing we do, right? When we when we get that job offer, there are people that immediately come to mind that you want to call. And it's incredibly important to, you know, foster the ability to celebrate yourself. But I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit I'm the like everybody else in that I hit a milestone and I just want to move on past. And the people in our lives are often the ones that you know, kind of see everything from the outside. They're not so caught up in the details. And when those milestones happen, they're the ones to say, hold on, wait, we have to, we have to really appreciate what just happened here. You know, I think it's easy to get caught up in that vision or that goal that's 10 years down the road, you know, graduating, graduating with your master's degree. But before you did that, you celebrated an A you got on a paper a class you passed, getting a certain grant. There were so many markers and friendship and community are no different. There are small wins in our relationships that it's easy to pass over. And if we can hone into those like smaller celebrations with our friends, not just our own personal celebrations, but just moments where a friend was there for us or uh, a connection that helped us reach a goal. All of that's really important. That is, is so great to hear. And it makes me really excited to have this conversation with you, especially because a lot of our students are newer to the Seattle area, whether they have left their home country to study and work here, or they moved across the country or even just across town. Um, as we get older, making friend, making adult friends can be so difficult. So I'm curious, let's say, you're someone who is graduating from a master's program. You are trying to build your network in Seattle of friends and connections. Um, what advice do you have? Oh, well, I think that as adults, we forget when, like back in the day when we were younger and our, the people that are now our closest friends at one point were just like a simpler friendship. They were somebody that was in our math class, on our soccer team, lived in our neighborhood. And we didn't have as many connection points with those people. And it, it took time to develop those relationships to where we are now. 
And as adults, it's easy to want to compare our new friendships, our new connections to these robust friendships that have had years to develop, but you love those friends, those old friends, because of all the memories and all the moments you made many years ago. That is why they are so dear to you. And so comparing them is just not fair because these new friendships haven't had the time to give us all those little moments and the memories and the details and the experiences. Um, So I think just really appreciating the journey that is making any friend. And I talk a lot about appreciating our simpler friendships. You know, when we get to be adults, it can be easy to say, well, I just need one or two close friends. They get everything about me. But those simpler friends, these new friends, for example, in the master's program, the friends that you have made who also have just gone through this experience with you, they understand this new venture you just went on better than any friend in the past can understand it that hasn't gone through the same experience. So even though this new friend from your master's program isn't this all-consuming friendship, they've played a pivotal role in like a really important moment in your life. And we should appreciate that they were there for you, that they understand this experience, even if they don't understand every other part of your life. Like it's just as important to have someone who's with you in one area of your life as it is to have somebody that gets all the areas of your life. Mm -hmm easy to label it as the Seattle freeze. Like, Oh, I haven't met anybody. It's those relationships aren't as deep as my relationships back at home. Um, but really taking a step back and seeing it as those simple friendships, that's a great way to reframe. Yeah. And those simple friendships, like they can grow into more robust friendships. You know, the, the people that are your closest friends now, let's say you're 30, I'm in my low thirties. 10 years ago, they were simple friendships. So the the friendships you're making at 30, by the time you hit 40, could be robust friendships. And we're just on this same journey. Um, And like, you know, the people we had at 20 that are now our closest friends at 30, they also just had kind of one commonality. They went to school with us. So they were on the same soccer team with us. They lived in our neighborhood. But over time, we sought out other ways to spend time together. We said, you know, you also like reading. Do you want to go to that book signing event? Mm. And we created what I call roots, like new roots together. We created new ways we spend time together. So if you're looking at these friendships that seem simpler, that are focused on sharing your experience in the MBGram, intentionally seek out other ways to spend time together. And that is how you start to make those more robust friendships. That's a great next step, Alex, to be intentional and those small ways to connect outside of that common experience you're having. I think that would be great for students to take that um, away from, from what you're hearing today. And as students are looking to make that next transition, especially here in the US, work culture is so important. We hear about it on the news all of the time. 
So I'm curious, how would you describe a healthy work friendship? What does that look like? Oh, well, I think I'm probably giving an answer that not many people would give. Let's hear it. (laughs) Because I think a lot of people believe, you know, you should keep your work friendships at work. And that's not necessarily what I believe. There is definitely a balance to uh, taking a work friendship outside of work. And you'll probably fail at that once or twice. (laughs) But we spend so much of our waking time at work. And it seems a shame to not pursue a friend, like somebody that we are genuinely interested in beyond just our connection of work because we know them from work. Work is an easy place to make proximity friendships. So when we were kids, we went to school and we went there every day and we became friends with the people in our proximity, people that were around us. And work is very much the same atmosphere, the same route of making friendships. You go to work every day, you talk to these people over time, you learn things about them and maybe they just become what I call defined friendship. So you, you're friends with them, but it's really only within the context of work for the most part. But if you want to take it outside of work, if you want to invite them on a hike or over to dinner, then I'd say go for it because meeting friends is hard for a lot of people. The alternative is to be really intentional outside of work and put yourself in places with other people with shared interests. Like it's a very active process to make friends otherwise. So if you don't have the time or you don't want to take the risk by putting yourself out there in other places, then I'd say pursue any friendships that are centered around work. And if you enjoy people that you work with, I'd also encourage everyone to be really intentional about finding other ways to spend time together, like creating those other routes. Because if work is really your only shared experience, your only shared context, if one of you leaves your job, then you're fumbling for ways to stay connected. Mm -hmm. But if you're you're proactive while you do work together by saying, do you want to go try hiking this weekend? Or I've been meaning to check out a new restaurant. Uh, I want to take a cooking class. I've always wanted to run a 5k, whatever it is, and figuring out those shared experiences. Then if one of you leaves your job, it's easy to continue to spend time together in the ways that you're already comfortable. That's so I think, again, another excellent takeaway is just to find that one thing you enjoy and be intentional about it to invite others who have that shared interest. I know Alex, when I started my first job out of college, I made the assumption that my coworkers would be my friends. I don't know where I got that idea from, but that was not the case. And that first year I really fumbled my way through. I was in San Francisco at the time, didn't really know anybody, but then I finally got to find that common ground um, with a colleague. She loved to craft, for example. So on our lunch break, Um, we go to a craft store and just like have a great time. And um, we're still in touch almost 10 years later. So it's, you know, setting those realistic expectations and being intentional about it. I think that's a good way to have, to be professional, uh, but still also take advantage of the friendships that are available in the office. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you need to try and take every friendship outside the office at all. Mm -hmm. I think that for a lot of people, the shared experience of work is enough. 
and you can enjoy each other. But it's just those people that you, you truly do go home and you think like, I'd be sad if we didn't work together anymore. Then focus on finding ways to make it easy in case one of you leaves. Because, you know, in previous generations, people stayed in jobs for large chunks of their life and being this intentional wasn't necessary. But we are all more uh, mobile nowadays between moving cities, but also moving jobs, moving within departments. Nothing's set in stone anymore. So we got to find ways to stay connected. Absolutely. And and speaking of staying connected, the work world looks so different, Alex, um, due to COVID. Who knows if students will be going to the office every day or working remotely every day or something in between. So how do you recommend people go about building relationships in a virtual environment? Virtual... I have a million feelings about virtual, but I mean, it's, it's just not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same. Uh, some ways to try and mimic the in-person experience if you're virtual would be, you know, creating space in meetings for some chit chat, uh, not just about work, but about how life is going, like the kinds of things you would say to each other if you stopped by somebody's desk or if you saw each other in the kitchen. Uh, Yeah, being really intentional about that kind of conversation. The other way I would suggest kind of mimicking that in-person experience would be, and a lot of people are going to be starting out, so you may not have control over this, but I suppose you could request it. If you are in department meetings all the time, where there's, you know, one person leading the meeting and everybody's listening, I would make a request that they break you out into smaller groups more often because there are so many people who won't speak in a big group. It's the same voices you hear over and over again. So breaking into those smaller groups kind of creates that feel, again, if you were walking into the meeting of how you'd say hi to a certain coworker or check in with somebody giving people the opportunity to kind of move throughout open breakout rooms as they choose really helps mimic that in-person socialization. And especially if you're a new employee, you know, it's hard enough to walk into an office where everybody knows each other. (laughs) Um, Doing that virtually where you don't really have this opportunity to get to know people individually, even on a basic level can be really difficult. Um, And then I guess my final takeaway would be if people do live locally, try to initiate some sort of in-person contact outside of work, whether it's, uh, you know, meeting up with someone for a couple hours to work together in person. Um, I do know people who have decided to take like one-on-one meetings as like a walking meeting, gets you outside, but also gives you the ability to connect in person. I just think that some of that in-person connection is really important as, as much as we can, as much as we can get. And then one final thing, if you're virtual and there is an in-person event, it can be really overwhelming to go to that in-person event because suddenly it's probably a larger gathering, maybe, but I would guess. And that in itself is overwhelming. And then add to the fact that you've only ever really met these people on Zoom, it's going to be uncomfortable, but make it a priority to go because then you'll have the ability to have those in-person moments, you know, the one-off conversations, the water cooler chatter, things like that. Thanks for for mentioning that it can be a really overwhelming experience to go if you are mostly working remotely, or even if you find attending events overwhelming in general, it really is worth stepping outside of your comfort zone from time to time to, to make those connections. So 
I agree. It's not always easy, but worth it. I think that they're just, we need to kind of accept they're always going to be slightly uncomfortable. Mm. Everyone, they're uncomfortable to everyone in the room. And it's like learning to lift weights. You know, the more you do it, the more used to the uncomfortable you are, but it's still uncomfortable. So my, I actually have a a tip for this, the thing that I do before I go to a gathering, an in-person gathering where I don't know anyone, or I just know very few people. I pick a goal before I walk in the room. So I tell myself, I want to meet one new person, or I want to join a group conversation, or I want to reconnect with someone I haven't seen in a long time. So they may not remember who I am, which is kind of awkward by having that goal. I can walk in the room and instead of looking around and being overwhelmed by the number of people in the room, I can know that I want to join a group conversation. So now I've narrowed it down. Now I'm just looking at the groups I'm looking for one, you know, where there's maybe a little space where I can walk in. And I know this is awkward, but I told myself that I would join a group conversation and I don't want to disappoint myself. So I'm just going to go do it. And then once you do that one goal, it generally becomes easier. You know, a few people there, you can kind of start to mix with the crowd, but I find it helps me get in there instead of standing on the sidelines being overwhelmed. I love that, Alex. I think that is such a really easy way to approach what can be sometimes a stressful situation. So choosing one goal and I know I feel awesome after I check something off a list or I accomplish a goal, no matter the size. So that's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, you have left that gathering, having done something for yourself. You have practiced stepping into that uncomfortable socialization moment. Uh, So if you get nothing else out of the meeting, you did that for yourself. Oh, that's great. I think that's a really good way to look at it. And I really encourage all of you when you start those new roles or move to a new city to take advantage of those events like Alex mentioned and and use that uh, framework. All right. So I'm going to circle back to those like simple ties um, for our last question, because you mentioned friendships that you make maybe in a master's program are really great ones to build off of. So as graduation approaches, what are ways for students to stay in touch with classmates after, after they leave? Yeah, you are when you graduate, you are no longer going to have that proximity. So now you have to be intentional. You have to build up your friendship habits. And if you don't already have friendship habits, this is going to seem, I mean, very new and very foreign, but, you know, setting up ways to stay in contact. So a group email thread, a group chat, a group text message, a group email, whatever it is, to stay connected would be one option. Setting up some sort of maybe reoccurring check-in with your classmates. So every quarter or every six months or every year, maybe you have a virtual Zoom meeting where you check in about how your roles are going, get some advice, do some brainstorming similar to what you would do. If you wanted to grow, again, like new roots, new connections with certain friends, then Be intentional about that. Know before you graduate that you want to stay in contact with this person and start trying out new ways to spend time together. Finding those book signings or hiking or whatever it is, because then that gives you an easy way to suggest spending time together that isn't just getting on the phone to talk about your new job. 
<laughs> it gives you a new way to see the other person. And if you wait to do that after you graduate, it takes so much more effort when you don't have that proximity. You know, now you're hitting this point where you have to send the text messages back and forth saying, oh, do you, you know, do you want to get together next Friday? No, that doesn't work for me. What about two Fridays from now? So much more work than when you're already together in person and you can just ask, do you want to go hiking this weekend? And they say no. And then you make a mental note. You'll just ask them next weekend uh, or next week in class. Mm -hmm. It's way easier to suggest when you're already seeing each other regularly. So if you can build that before you graduate, it will save you a lot of headache. That's some good homework uh, to do. And maybe a good excuse to have a little fun spring quarter as well. Find ways to hang out outside of the classroom. So that way it's easier after you graduate. And Alex, you know, really quickly before I let you go, could you share some examples of what friendship habits are? Oh, you're, you're really hitting the core of like my entire theory here. How do we sum this up? Basically, we are so used to making those proximity friendships. <laughs> That's how most people make their friends. But when, you know, somebody leaves their master's program, leaves their job, we are not very good at staying in contact and developing small intentional ways to stay in touch. So um, I think a lot of people get stuck trying to do these big grand actions for their friendship. You know, you graduate from the program, you don't talk to each other for six months, a year, and suddenly you're texting saying, we should have a marathon catch-up phone call, or we should fly somewhere to see each other and have a trip. And those are great. Those are great. But if we can find smaller, more consistent touch points, then we don't feel this pressure to have these grand mm. connections later. So people can do this in all sorts of ways. You know, I have a whole process to figure out what these are, but maybe it's a group text. Maybe it's voice memos. Um, maybe you are the friend who is really good about like birthdays and anniversaries and things like that. And you, your touch point, like those are your reminders to check in with people. Maybe you set a goal for yourself that every Friday morning you spend 15 minutes with a cup of tea, checking in with a few friends. However, you can create a system to stay in contact with the people you care about, the more effective you will be at maintaining these relationships instead of holding out for these big grand moments where you feel this pressure. Oh, absolutely. I, I think this is, I am so excited I, that you can share all of this because it's so valuable and learning this is a lifelong skill. And we all put so much pressure on ourselves, especially with those big gestures. So thanks for, for walking through those examples. I think this really leads into, I'm asking you, Alex, how can students connect with you and um, all of your awesome content after this podcast? Well, they can check out my website, alexalexander.com. I am probably most active on Instagram uh, at it's ITS, Alex Alexander. And I would just say, you know, I'm really not trying to be any sort of friendship or community expert. I don't think anybody can be an expert on this topic, to be honest. I think that everybody's friendships and relationships are so nuanced. Mm. And I just want to facilitate a conversation about these relationships that most people aren't talking about but are really vital to our life overall. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to share 
all of your insight today. I know this is so helpful. It's something we don't learn in the classroom. Thank you so much, Alex. Great to have you. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for having me. I am so grateful Alex could share her time and insight with the foster community. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of Foster Career Chats.